shots more than two styles. So adapt in the situation, I'm too shy. And though the road is rocky, I'm ready to try. The next mile, the great side to the blind man. It's down to the left child. We will survive in this country wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jogging is specialist, critical and survivalist. Spitting heaven's fight from his lips. Burn a slave driver. Time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people... We'll turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Though I get get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live audio at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Also, we're streaming at a bb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. They stream from Ghana. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free radio app. And that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the live stream on the TuneIn app, <clears throat> drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Dot com time for underwear. Also has a fan page on Facebook, and that Facebook search engine you can type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and time for an awakening media. The website is also there, always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs. On time for an awakening, media interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, to make that one of your favorites, put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.08 on this uh, fall Sunday evening in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, the Sunday, October the 1st edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, our guest this evening in conversation, hopefully, will be you. 
uh, the listening audience an open forum conversation today. No guests scheduled unless they pop up. But uh, you're the special guest, and you can join the program by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use 
to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 713 here in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at African American Museum here in Philadelphia. 7th and Arch Street, Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ali. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm, um, since we're in open forum, you know, some thoughts there. Um, <clears throat> I might get a chance to, you know, run by us and see how they fall. But um, it, it's a couple of questions that I've heard other people in other areas raise, which were interesting to me. And some that we kind of talked about when we're talking about this guy, um, when we're talking about open, open forum, one of the um, callers, you know, really put me on the put me on the track to look up this guy was the name Eric Bloom. And I've been, um, yeah. lately I've been running into his name a lot. So, um, I might get a chance to just to make some relationship or connection and thought around that. But otherwise I'm, I'm doing fine. Yeah. I, well, I guess we'll throw around some topics and introduce some things in open form and, uh, and maybe the folks want to join in with it, or maybe they got something that they just on their mind that they want to kind of throw in the mix. And they can do that by joining two dialing two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. Richard, let me mention something first because, um, for the folks that used to tune in, uh, well, not used to that tunes in with the Tune In Radio app, mm-hmm. uh, which is a free radio app. Now, in the beginning, when we, uh, when I kind of got their services. It was uh, it was free, meaning that they didn't uh, interrupt it with um, commercials. But I noticed now it might have been over the past two or three months, and maybe longer. Uh, they've been interrupting the uh, whatever we do, whether it's live or the podcast, with commercials. Um, and I know why they're doing that because of the the people out there that are involved that are listening mm. and being it you know all of that stuff costs money as far as trying to get uh uh statistics on who's out there listening and all that stuff you know I, that that's unattainable it's unaffordable but uh that shows me that our folks are out there they're participating they're listening because now all of a sudden they interrupt the broadcast with commercials so what i had to do was kind of replace or get somebody to uh go in uh scotty and and some of the others the uh, uh, technicians to kind of replace the players uh so if people listen from the time for an awakening site or the black talk radio network site they won't hear any commercial interruptions it'll just be uninterrupted 
But, uh, you know, listen, that's why, and I'm using that opportunity to thank uh, uh, Sister uh, Shalia Israel, uh, Brother Ted Lush down there in Alabama, uh, Brother Angozi up here in the Philadelphia area, people that have donated to Time for an Awakening because we live in a capitalist society. All of this stuff that we do, even the, just the aspect of broadcasting, uh, the times that we do, it costs some funds. So I'm glad that some of the folks have donated to these efforts because uh, I, I'm just happy that people have donated for these efforts. Uh, but now that uh, if you if you don't mind hearing those uh, uh, commercial interruptions on TuneIn, then, you know, you can continue to listen to TuneIn. Uh, you know, we, we appreciate the listeners. But if you want uninterrupted uh, listening, you can tune into the website, either Black Talk Radio Network website or the Time for Awakening website and hear it uninterrupted. Um, I just want to kind of throw that out there, Richard. And, and, and also thank those good people that have contributed to uh, to the Black Talk uh, Media Project at the time for an awakening because we're all one family. Go ahead, Richard. No, no, I was just going to reemphasize the point that, you know, uh, us being in this kind of society, a capitalist society, you know, which, you know, that um, it requires us to, you know, be cooperative. And I'm also glad to hear, you know, individuals recognize that, you know, it, it, it does take resources. It does primarily takes, you know, the understanding of trust that time for awakening is, as a media outlet, um, you know, is providing trustworthy information that stimulates um, those who think that it's of value to continue to support it in a multiple of ways, like listening or um, making a, a contribution, a donation, um, providing an offering or even just telling someone else. Um, so I, I'm glad to hear, you know, that people out there are giving indication that they trust what you and Time for Awakening Media is doing. Richard, I know that you wanted to mention because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give the credit where it's due. Uh, the, the, the caller, Brother Jay, that calls out of New York is the one that uh, kind of pulled the coat to uh, that uh, Edward Bloom uh I know that you said you had been doing some uh, looking into uh, uh, his affairs, so to speak, and you wanted to mention some things on it. But before you well, do that, Richard, uh, I do want to mention because it, it uh, <laughs> let's put our critical thinking hats on. Uh, me, you, and Time for Awakening listeners to hear the program. Uh, as of October 1st, and Richard, before I say what I'm going to say here, they had an interesting article in the final call. Um, one of the reporters uh, wrote this article in reference to the agreement that has been signed by several African nations. And I want to read, and the reason I'm saying that is because uh, the brother Jume, who is uh, one of the officials in the uh, uh, Pan-African Federalist uh, um Union, uh, it, he's over the continent president, presently, but he said that he would come back on the program when he comes back uh, to the states here to kind of talk about, uh, give us kind of a, on the ground of what's going on. But I talked with Brother Obi, who, it's, who was uh, 
uh, the U.S. correspondent to the Herald, which is Zimbabwe's national newspaper, and about some of the uh, folks that are journalists or on-the-ground activists in some of these countries. And he uh, put me in touch with one of the young ladies over there in Burkina Faso who is a activist. So I'm going to try to get her on to kind of talk about things from the on-the-ground perspective of somebody that's an educator. She's also an educator over there, Richard, and a journalist. So to kind right. of get her feelings on, on what she sees to give our listening audience a, a bird's-eye view, so to speak, to really what's going on. Because your black elected officials, either they don't know what's going on or they don't care or feel it don't matter to you, uh, even though they're talking about a global, you know, some of these new um, uh, gatherings now, like the CBC had in uh, Washington about a week ago, they're talking about the, the global African family. But I don't know who they're talking about if they're not mentioning these issues. <clears throat> but Richard, let me, before before I mention that, let me let me read this because this I saw this uh, happen today, or it takes effect today. It says starting October first, America's American uh, General Charles Brown, who's black, officially became the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs of the United States. Uh, well, and, you know, as everybody knows, the Joint Chief of Staff of the United States Armed Forces is the highest uh, uh, leadership body in the United States military, including the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, and the National Guard. So, Richard, you got this new guy, uh, Charles Brown. You got Lloyd Austin, who's the Secretary of Defense. You got Michael Langley who's the head of commander of AFRICOM. You got Linda Thomas Greenfield, who's a representative of the United States to the UN. And you got Gregory Meeks, who's the chair of the, the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. You got a a leadership cadre there that was black, Richard. But, uh, I mean, what what is going on? It, 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 this is time for a little critical thinking here. And even with the listening audience, what, what is this? <laughs> And I'm just, I'm being tongue-in-cheek when I'm saying that. But you got, let's put Linda Thomas-Greenfield and Meeks to the side right now because they're very much involved in these goings-on, or at least a face on a power structure. Put it that way. I'll put it that way. But you got Charles Brown, who's just been appointed to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Lloyd Austin, who's the Secretary of Defense, and Langley, who's the head of AFRICOM on the continent. Hmm. Just throwing it out there, Richard. No, I mean, it's, it's, uh, well, <laughs> I'm thinking, I am thinking about Africa, you know, and I'm thinking about, um, all overtures that are being made in relationship to, to Africa. And I didn't get a chance to follow up like I wanted to, but um, in relationship to especially, you know, we've been talking about uh, prior about the how the Francophone countries, the what they call, quote unquote, coups or or others may have called, you know, revolutions that are going on on the continent. And um, to have this military and 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 policy and and a 
global body represented by black folks um, in this particular moment um, of of un, unrest by African young Africans in those countries, it kind of makes sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm glad that you said it and put it in that perspective. It does. If we look at it like that, if we look at it as a cheerleading, like like maybe a, and I like to say a small percentage of our people will. Oh, oh look, he's he's uh, the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's the head of this. He's the head. It's more going on than just that. In fact, they don't even care about that. It's putting a face to this that is needed presently. You know when this stuff is happening with these. Uh, countries that are have been colonized by france you know that they're all brethren they're part of that european union this this is the united states who their ancestors come from europe so they're all together in this they feel as though that if france is jeopardized there then they're in jeopardy i mean am i right richard how you see it yeah and 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 even what I've heard, and this is why I'm saying, and I hope for those who are more informed can can help us, but heard in relationship to even with Niger, um, you know, as France has decided to um, move back out of, but U.S. Um, drones are allowed to fly. It seems like this, the power relationship, United States have been able to, you know, with this newly formed um, military unit um, to be able to have some kind of sway. We don't have, well, at least I don't have the details of that, but it, obviously there is some kind of negotiation that has been um, made to where the U.S. feel, you know, they, they have made a deal where, okay, France is leaving a, a, a long-term partner with the U.S. and the Western Power Alliance, um, but U.S. is able to continue to utilize its drone activity base that's in Niger. Um, is, does that mean that's an opening for the U.S. to transpose the power that France had in Niger, as an example, to where the U.S. now has the power there? We know how that one goes. Well, I mean, that's what they intend. Believe me. Uh, uh, history is our best teacher and that's how Europeans operate by force period that, that, that's not a race oh he's a big that's a bigoted statement all you have to do is study history look at history it'll tell you the moves of these people everything has been by force physical force no no verbal coercion it's been by physical force if necessary now let me read this because it was an interesting article in the final call and the header says Mali, Burkina Faso and then the young lady that's going to possibly join us in the coming weeks is, is, is in Burkina Faso Richard it mm-hmm. says uh, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger sign agreement to defend each other if attacked Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger has signed a trilateral defense agreement binding the three countries to assist one another in the event of a military attack on any one of them. The agreement known as the Lipatakona, and I know I'm butchering that word, the Lipatakona Charter has inked by the three uh, countries' military leaders 
on September the 16th, according to Mali's leader. I have today signed with the heads of the states of Burkina Faso and Niger, the Lipa Konora Charter, establishing the alliance uh, with the aim of establishing a collective defense and mutual assistance framework. This alliance will be a combination of military and economic efforts between the three countries, Mali's defense minister, uh, Abelia Diop, told journalists. Any attack on the sovereignty and territorial integrity of one or more of these parties shall be considered uh, an aggression against all other parties and shall give rise to a duly response according to the armed forces, according, uh, including, excuse me, the use of armed forces to restore and assure security, the agreement states. Thousands of Nigerians uh, hold uh, an anti-France protest in Nuame on September the 16th. Thousands of people demonstrated in front of the military base housing French soldiers in Niger's capital city of Naomi, demanding the departure from the West African country. Enough is enough, they chanted. You have to go back to your so-called country, France, one of the protesters told the journalists. The protesters waved flags of Niger while demonstrating to demand the departure of French soldiers. We don't want France here anymore. We don't want France here tomorrow. We don't want France here today. Leave our country alone. Other demonstrators shouted and was quoted by journalists. The September the 16th protest was held in front of the air base, which shelters part of the French contingent in Niger, near the uh, airport in Nuame. Anti-France demonstrators began two weeks ago, with tens of thousands of protesters gathered outside the base to demand French troops and ambassadors leave the country. Hundreds have remained since then, vowing to continue to protest action until their demands are met. So, Richard, we see that these countries have signed a agreement that if one of them is attacked, it's attack on the sovereignty of the others. Yeah. So they're going to work together on this issue. See these? And, and then all of a sudden now, here on October the 1st, the United States appoints this black guy as head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. See, I, I you know, we got to, we got to uh, smell the coffee. If we ain't woke, if something's going on here, clear, clear that it is. And like you said, it, it's something that we, you know, um, or, well, we should ask. Uh, well, it's it's it's, a, it's it's an interesting thing that, that goes on here, Elliot. We should ask ourselves, because as you said, People will be, you know, we, we, you know, we're people that we celebrate these famous firsts, right? So this, uh, him being uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, I think would be something that will be, you know, placed in the new history of, you know, this African American. But who does, who does he represent as far as the full body politics, you know, political mindscape? Of, of Af- this of the of African Americans. Let me say it that way. Who does he represent? Right, um, and now him and those others 
are they representing African-Americans, say, foreign policy uh, or black people foreign policy? Are they representing American foreign policy? And when you say it about critical thinking, I mean, for um, quote unquote black Americans, and you see you see how we deal with all these different names, African-Americans, you know, um, black Americans, you know, um, is this or are they representing American foreign policy, American empire foreign policy as it relates to Africa? Isn't that something different than those who say American foreign policy and, and the American empire was it was created as an imposition on African people and African nations? You know, what do I mean? I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of Cedric Robinson's The Making of the Black Radical Tradition, where he says the destruction of the African past. And, he, and, and on his, in that section, it says the African became the more enduring domestic enemy and consequently the object around which, which a more specific, particular, exclusive conception of humanity was molded. The Negro, quote-unquote, that is the colored black, was both a negation of African and a unity of opposition to white. So what are, what are we to say about these men and women now? Are they a part of this negation, or are they a part of the unity for whites in the sense of a creation of whites, even though they're... Um, some would say black faces in high places. Are they representing black people who wanted to be self-determined is what I'm trying to get to. Uh, you know, I don't know. I would like to get some help from the Time for Awakening audience and helping me because I would like to be centered in our position of self-determination. And I would like to be centered from the perspective of using as an example of the Gary convention in 72, where they said it must be assumed that we must have some essential agreement on overall goals, even though we may differ on many specific strategies. This is black people talking about we, what we must have. Do we see the American empire as an imposition on Africa or as a benefit to Africa and African people? <laughs> that's that's what the question of this comes to my mind. Yeah, well, uh, you, you see that it's a percentage of our people, Richard, that don't really know what's going on on the continent. And sometimes I kind of use the business I'm in is kind of a litmus test talking to folks. And and it's kind of funny that it, it has ex- historically been a litmus test. Uh, the barbershops, the beauty salons of the pulse of the, the, the common man or the average man, so to speak, the average black man. And a lot of our people are not aware of really what's going on on the continent. They're just not. And you can't blame them because Black media is not talking about it. They get a lot of this popular black media get their marching orders from white folks, period. 
and white Democratic contributors. So if they don't want you talking about a thing, then you ain't talking about it. And if a caller raises it, they'll entertain it, but they won't go into it. Mm-hmm. They'll hear whatever you got to say. Oh, thank you for your call, and then move on to something else. Exactly. See, I, I know those games. I, I didn't. I didn't been on terrestrial radio. I know the games that they play. The station managers give you dictations on what you should and should not say. The subjects you can and cannot touch or talk around. I, I know how to talk around. I know how they talk around these issues. They really don't want to go into these issues because they got access to really go in hard on these issues that they want to. This little stuff that we put together on Time for an Awakening, some of these people, they got several producers. You know, they they can really do research if they want to. But they don't. You know, I'm I'm listening to the... uh, and I, and, I, and I know you want to go into that the Bloom no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The, the, the thing on Bloom, but um, I was looking at the that caucus event that just happened that the uh, the legislative uh, uh, gathering down there that was sponsored by the Black Caucus, and it's kind of funny that you mentioned the seventy two convention because that was the second year. I think that the Black Caucus was formed in 71, Richard, or 70. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that convention in 72, they were only about a year old. Right. And a lot of the members that was in that original caucus was at the Black Power Convention when it came up with uh, right. the different strategies and how they wanted to approach things as a collective group. Mm-hmm. And because you read some of those things on the air before. And when you read some of the things that you have read before, Richard, and see what's happening now. How did they stray so far from the mission of some of those men that were involved initially? Now, we can see that in retrospect that some of the men involved initially wasn't nothing but, I get, if you want to use the term plants, mm-hmm. Tom, Toms, whatever, we can see what they were looking back and having that retrospect. You might not have been able to see it then. But history will reveal everything. And we can see what some of the men were. But some of those men involved were sincere about what they intended. And some of the dictates that they wrote in reference to their mission going forward that you have shared on the program. This group now is totally unrecognizable to what those men dictated, Richard. And I don't know whether you would agree with that or not. Yeah, def- I mean, that's the, I mean, that goes to the critical question, you know, that's being raised. Because at that point, um, we were operating, you know, from, you know, and you'll, you'll see me bring up um, people we've interviewed, books that we've discussed, um, you know, positions that we had, um, like, you know, um, as, as, a, as around, well, what's his name? As around. Oh, Ezra, uh, Harun. Mm-hmm. and his sovereign psyche. At that point, they were dealing with the point of the continuation of that we were a national body, that we weren't necessarily uh, an American body. If you look at the that their uh, you know their black agenda that that they 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 were in America, but they were representing you know black people. 
But at the same time, you see also the continuation of the split, even then, of the um, black members of the Black Caucus to what we have today. That I don't know if you would agree. I don't think that they represent black people. They represent America. Um, I don't know if you would you agree with that. Oh, or? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. But they're supposed to be representing black people. That's why I mentioned about the initial thrust of the men that had gathered. I think it was thirteen. Well, it was men and women because Shirley Chisholm was involved. The men and women that put it together, their initial thrust was dealing with black issues. In fact, if you remember, Richard, one of the first things they did was kind of held up things. It was some vote that they refused to participate in because Nixon had refused to meet with them. You remember, I mean, well, you've, you've, you've read a lot of that history. Right. Nixon refused to meet with them, and they had, it was a vote that they had to take that they boycotted, basically. So then that kind of forced Nixon to sit with them. He wasn't going to sit with him previously. But see, that, right. that, that power that was exhibited with 13 members, Richard, you got the CBC, which was almost 60, 58 members. And you got other legislative officials, because they were kind of bragging on this, kind of pulling their suspenders, so to speak, puffing their chest. And, and if you look at the Black Caucus website, it says, with more than 700 members representing 60 million Americans. And most of them, 60 million is black. Mm. So if you got all of these members... Why is our people in this situation? And a lot of it does worse situation than when the caucus was formed. It's either you're failing miserably on what you're doing or you part and parcel to what's going on. It's one or the other because none of them admit that they're failing. None of them admit this. <laughs> they keep rallying people to be involved in these parties, whether it be Democrat or, you know, if you're on the other side of the aisle, Republican. And, 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 and in this moment in 2023, there's more discussion of, of black folks once again flipping to the Republican. But, you know, it's, it's coming to my attention or clarity, you know, when black folks were um, flipping, were in the Republican Party and were doing domestic things in the 30s, you know, um, and the 40s, uh, the American empire was gobbling up other territories, Puerto Rico, Guam, Philippines, and expanding and making them non-citizens and and perpetuating the ideal that um, the inclusion they didn't want to. They wanted to take the territory, but they didn't want to include the people. Why? Because of the racial caste mindset that whiteness has, which goes back to this question of, well, the military, the black officers of today, or what we heard uh, uh, the vice president say and. And I think it was the person who's running on the Republican side. Is he still running for president? And he said, there's no racism. They say there's no racism in America. There's no racial uh, mindset in the America. 
well, those who run into the Republican Party, are we, does the Republican Party still have a racial mindset? Even though the, since Trump movement, it went from 6% to 10%, from what I understand, of racial, of black participation. So who does these black Democrats re- represent? It's the point that I'm emphasizing that you're making. And, and these narratives that they're dealing with in these bodies, Richard, I don't know necessarily where they're coming from. Now, if you just look at what's been happening on the ground among young blacks and older blacks, they've been talking about reparations, Richard. Right. And uh, you would agree, right? Right. That's the conversation. Right. Now, they, a lot of it hadn't been on the same page, but the conversation is going on. But when you hear these elected officials, when they come together, and I'm talking about they're supposed to represent you, they just bragged about over 700 million, uh, for seven, over 700 uh, black elected officials nationwide representing more than 60 million Amer- they just mm-hmm. say Americans. They don't say black Americans. They mm-hmm. didn't mention anything about reparations. It wasn't mentioned. Let me play. I want to play a clip. Simone Sanders interviewed this uh, uh, sister. Her name is uh, Hillary, Austin Hillary. She was one of the organizers of that CBC legislative meeting down there about a week ago. And, uh, and also Terry Sewell, who's a representative from Alabama's 7th District, addressed them initially uh, at the meeting. But let me play first. I'm going to play uh, Sanders uh, questioning uh, this Austin Hillary about the what was going to be going on at that legislative caucus. Uh, listen in. Just give me give me your thoughts challenges. So this is more than just because, uh, you know, some people will say, oh, here they go again, getting together in Washington, D.C., you know, to to party and have a meeting, but nothing is going to come of this. This is more than just a meeting. This is more than just a meeting. And Simone, I say, and you probably heard me say this before, this is about the people. It is not about a party. Now, I will say this. You you so eloquently shared our theme, uh, securing our democracy, protecting our freedoms, and uplifting our culture. We're going to hit every one of those. It is serious business to talk about the democracy issues that are under attack. It is serious to talk about the freedoms that we have to work to protect, but also uplifting our culture is about joy. It is about celebrating the history of the black community and all of our contributions. So yes, we will have joyful moments where we will celebrate and engage, but each day, the number one focus is going to be about what are the public policy solutions we should be talking about? What are constituents needing to share with the members? There's no other opportunity in the country for constituents to have this kind of front-facing, direct contact with their elected officials. People can walk the halls, they can be with their members, they can stop them and have conversations, and we make it accessible. We don't want it to be something that because of money or location that you can't access. It is- Richard, let me stop that a second. And let me ask you a question. Mm. I'm not dealing with, listen, I think that's the part of the problem, that a lot of blacks that get involved in this adopt this European-style uh, uh, train of thought, 
and plus the way they do things politically. I'm just talking about it from an African centered point of view. Shouldn't your officials be accessible to you? Shouldn't right. they be able to talk? You shouldn't be. Shouldn't you be able to talk with them? Walk with them? I'm just. I'm curious. Yeah, because yeah. she's saying that. This is a privilege where it only comes around once a year where if you come to this event, you can walk and talk with these people. That should be the mantra. How are we going to get how are we going to reach any point where we can have freedom of movement in this society unless we work together? Why should you be so aloof that I got to come to a, a black caucus event to try to talk to you. Uh, believe me, you ain't no, you can just grab them and talk to them. Even at that event, it ain't going to work like that. I ain't stupid, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to stop it. But let me continue because I want to play with Sewell said also, I'm going to continue this. It's open to everyone, and we want folks to walk away with tools that they can take back to their own communities because they are the voices of their communities. We are conduits for people, yeah, and we are for conduits the for the people. So uh, what special guests can we expect at the ALC this year? What are you most looking forward to? And maybe who? Yes. Well, our town hall discussion is what I like to call our plenary session. It is where we come together to really set the stage for the issues that are going to be discussed uh, this year. So our town hall discussion is on Thursday, the 21st, and this year we have a special guest. Sean P. Diddy Combs is going oh, to be oh, with oh, us. And you know, you and I know it is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Yes. But we all- Richard, I got to stop it again. No, wait a minute. <laughs> to set the tone for this event that's going to deal with strategies to help black people is to puff that Sean Combs. I mean, what the hell? You know, I must be living in an alternate universe. What is this? You know, we just we just talked we just dealt and had a program talking about that NAACP convention up there about a month and a half ago up there in Boston, where it was centered around Meek Mills. You remember? Right. Now all of a sudden, this one is centered around Sean Combs. What the fuck? Excuse, I mean, come on, Richard. Our people can't, we can't be buying into this stuff. These elected officials is leading you down a dead end road. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Let let me finish it out, Richard, because I do want to get to Terry Sewell is on Thursday, the 21st, and this year we have a special guest. Sean P. Diddy Combs is going oh, to be oh, with oh, us. And you know, you and I know, it is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, yes. but we also know, and, and folks, if you haven't seen them, please look at the documentaries that are out there on hip-hop. Hip-hop is about more than music. It is about culture. It is about policy. This community speaks for the next generation, and he will be there talking about black economic wealth. He will be talking about what our communities need to do to increase wealth and to increase opportunities because again that's all a part of shoring up and strengthening our democracy oh my goodness okay well the cbcf's annual legislative conference is coming with the fire Uh, i know you all usually also host a dinner at gala on saturday we do any special guests we can expect for the gala will the president be there the president is expected to be there with us uh as well as will the vice president be with us uh and we know that we are also at that dinner honoring not only the cbc members but also other individuals in the black community who have achieved high things but we will also have with us helping us to bring that joy bring that joy new additions will okay. be with us to bring okay. on the joy well, I'm the the dinner, but if i was in the car i would uh, i would i would be getting my ticket 
uh, Richard, hold it. Mm-hmm. Sean Combs is going to be there giving, you know, ways where we can kind of move forward as a people. And new addition. And new, like, uh, we, oh, have, we don't have no, in, in the cultural arena, we have no people of literature. Well, wait a minute, hold it. As far as they're concerned, and white folks have instructed them, this is your culture. Sean P. Diddy Combs and New Edition is your culture. That's what your culture is. Are you kidding me? See, that's what I'm saying. These people are intelligent black people. They can't be that stupid. They're doing this intentionally. Now, some of them that I do agree are stupid. Like this guy that represents, well, I'm not going to call no names. (laughs) Maybe I'll call it at another time. It's some of them that are stupid. But all these people can't be that stupid, Richard. They just can't. New addition. Sean Combs. Uh, Meek Mills. They're the leadership that's going to give vision to black people. Mm. I mean, what the... <sighs> uh, hold up. And she said, now notice, d- these are the highlight people that's coming. She said it. Mm. She said the president is going to be there. You remember her? She's her saying that, and the vice president, and the vice president. But let me tell you now. Hold it. A day before, they had the Hispanic Caucus, and Biden went to that. But he was addressing the Hispanic. Now, the people can go to go to social media and see that he was addressing the Hispanic Caucus because he thought he was at the Black Caucus event. Now, evidently, he's not only see now, he must be blind because he could look out there in the audience and see that the people weren't black. No, you ain't saying that, Elliot. No, I'm not. Uh, you Pull it up on social media. No, come on, Elliot. You're not he, telling me. He was addressing them like they were the Black Caucus. He said, he said, listen, I've fought with you a long time. You members of the CBC, the Black Congressional Black. He said it. But let me play for you because she was saying that he was going to come and be part of this event. This is what he said. This is I'm going to play this before I play Terry Sue and what she said because I I don't I, I don't know why I'm wasting time playing this guy, but I'll play it. This is what he said at the, the event, Richard. Because they had listen, he was there because they had another they had another person that's going to lead our people with with important things about our culture. He had spoke. And Biden was talking about him, but let me play what he said. The two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's. Been... Yeah, that boy. L-L-L-J-O-K-O-L-O-K-O-L-O-K-O-L-J-O-K-O-L-J-O-K-O-L-J-O-K-O-L-J-O-K-O-L-J-O-K-O-L-J-O-K-O-L-J-O-K-O-
uh, uplift of our, our up, culture. Uplift of the culture. But the culture is LL Cool J, Sean Combs, and New Edition. That's the culture. And, 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 the, and the whole thing of contribution. And it made me, it, I have to say, Elliot, it made me run, run to, uh, you know, Brother Earl, uh, Dr. Earl Henderson's book, The Revolution Will Not Be Theorized. And he was talking about, when we talk about culture and power, you know, talking about Elaine Locke, where Elaine said the race question is at the very heart of this structure for this struggle for cultural democracy. And its solution lies beyond even the realization of political and economic democracy. Although, of course, that solution can only be reached when we no longer have extreme political inequality and extreme economic inequality. This is Elaine Lockett coming out of the Harlem Renaissance writing about culture. Now, do we see, and with that being said, anything in it? And I, you know, you just open it, it's right there. You know, uh, Dr. Henderson is, you know, chronicling cultural revolution in the black power ever. Is, 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 is these individuals the cultural theorists for black people as we move through the 21st century? What is pop? Richard, that's what white folks are telling them to do. These black, quote-unquote, leaders can't be that stupid. They just can't be. I refuse to believe they're that stupid. I just refuse to believe they're that stupid. This is intentional. But, you know, Elliot, and this, you know, it goes to... And I'm just making reference as you continue to develop this because it's it's for the time for awakening audience, and I know we're we're in you know this whole thing of freestyle Friday, but for us to think through this together, because when Lerone, uh, Lee, Lee, Leonard, and Moore did the defeat of Black Power. Hello. Oh, as you, uh, it goes oh, to the point. What happened to you, Richard? Your audio went out. It went uh, the button. Okay. I guess. Oh, go ahead. Do, do, repeat what you said because I didn't hear anything you said. Oh, no, when you said when you um the the whole thing of the caucus at the point of seventy one when they were um the you know coming up with the discussion of what to do and and I, I the the point that. At that moment, the division within the Black Power movement and the Congressional Black Caucus was taking place. And that's so what we see now is the victors, in, in my opinion. Well, that, that's of, what... of those two, of that, what, what happened in 72. Well, that's, that's what the point I'm That's what they think. If you remember, Richard. Uh, whose funeral was that? Uh, where where uh, Clinton? When Clinton made that statement about oh, it was John Lewis's funeral, right? When he said it was a, a struggle between John Lewis belief and uh, 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 Kwame Ture, right? And John won. You remember when he said that? Yeah, he said we could have 
we we almost lost. You see, you see, and, he, and he said it right in front of a bunch of black people. I mean, oh my good. Well, listen, let, let me pray. I mean, this this is because I mean it's important for this is what we. I mean, the choices is up to us as a group and as each individual. But you know, we have to be clear that there is a choice, and it goes back to the other points that you raised. But yes, go ahead and. Uh, Let's continue to hear. Now, this. now, wait a minute, Richard. You hear, you know, when when Sanders asked her about, oh, some people going to say it's a big party, and the woman said, oh no, we're going to work. But then all of a sudden, she t- talked about partying and who's going to be there, right? right? Right. Now, this other clip that I'm going to play with Sewell. It's a theme there that I'm seeing. Is it? Let me play it. This is Terry Sue, who was the kind of facilitator, or gave the opening address, and she's the uh, a member of the Black Caucus. She represents Alabama's seventh district. This is what she said: the protecting our freedom and uplifting our culture. And I do believe that we're living in a time when it's important that we do all three. We see our democracy under threat. We see um, basic freedoms like voting rights and reproductive rights and other things rolling back. And we also see uh, efforts to erase our culture, which is why we must uplift it all the time. So we're really excited about our uh, annual legislative conference. And it is the 52nd year that we've put this on. um, The foundation is proud to say that uh, we're the biggest convener of black thought leaders and experts to talk about the black American agenda. So I'm Congresswoman Sewell. I think I said that before, but I'm Congresswoman Sewell. Wait wait a minute, Richard, hold it. She said they're the biggest convener of black thought merchants. Did you hear her say that? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the black thought merchants that you're bringing up to kind of direct our people into uh, the future with our babies and, and, and the coming generations. You're talking about Sean Combs, New Edition, and and uh, uh, LL Cool J. Mm. See, that's what I'm talking about, Richard. These people are not that stupid. This is intentional. And, and you know, this is intentional. <laughs> The first two, there's no names of who are the presenters for dealing with uh, democracy. Who's the black thought leader that is presenting in relationship to dealing with democracy? Because is democracy being threatened to all Americans? Well, or is democracy being threatened to black Americans? Well, they go right to what they consider culture. They go right to Sean Combs, LL Cool J. what I'm saying. I mean, see, Richard, you, you, listen, you're only thrashing out my point that these people are not that stupid. This is intentional. Let me finish what she's saying. I proudly represent Alabama's 7th District. It includes. I proudly represent Alabama's 7th District. It includes. (laughs) The 7th District is here in full force and effect. The historic cities of Montgomery, Birmingham, (laughs) any Selma folks out there, Marion, Black Belt, thank you. 
We are um, very proud of the legacy, the very strong and um, uplifting legacy that is Alabama's 7th Congressional District. It's a legacy of ordinary Americans daring, having the audacity to make this nation live up to its highest ideals of justice and equality for all. Generations of Americans, many in my hometown. Wait a minute, Richard. Did you hear what she said? Live up to the it's, it's, it's a legacy of ordinary Americans making this country live up to the, the, the creed of justice for all. Wait a minute. That's not. Those were black people down there in Montgomery. Mm. Trying to make this country do what it was supposed to do towards black people. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. It goes on and on and on. I mean, wh- wh- what is this? See, that's Richard. Listen, this is intentional. These people are not that stupid. This is intentional. Let me finish she, it out. And she's the co-chair of the Voting Rights Caucus. <laughs> well, I didn't know. What it, okay, but I didn't know that. I just knew she was kind of facilitating things. But to downplay the contributions of her own ancestors... Black people fighting for getting hoses and dogs turned on them down there in Montgomery and Selma and all that. And you're talking about for everybody. Everybody wasn't, didn't get their voting rights taken away. What is, what is she talking about? She's not that stupid. These black elected officials are not that stupid, Richard. Let me finish it. Town of Selma. March fought and even died for the equal right of all Americans to vote. Wait a minute. Did you just say what she said, Richard? Mm-hmm. They, all they marched, died for all Americans to vote. Is that true? Now, wait a minute. Maybe I'm wrong. You're better at history than me. me Richard, is that true? Hey, Elliot, she said it. She said, I mean, they always say it was for everybody, even though everybody, others had the right. Let me finish it. It was their sacrifice that gave us the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. But today, we know that old battles have become new again, and our progress is under attack. Across the nation, extremists are working to restrict voting access, undermine our democracy, and dilute the power of the African-American and minority voters. Now, she said, uh, across the South... They're working to dilute this voting power. Mm. That's what she just said, right, Richard? Yep. Let me come back to that. I'll make a note of that. Across the South, they're working to dilute the voting power. Let me come back to that. First, let me say this. When she was talking, she said, I represent the 7th Congressional District of Alabama. Birmingham, Montgomery, woo, and you heard all this cheer and happy clapping, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Birmingham is 68% black with a 4% black business. The, 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 the amount of business in Birmingham, the rate of black business, according to the Brookings site, Richard, is 4%. Mm-hmm. With a city that's 68 percent black population, some uh, uh, 
statistics say 70%, but I'll use the low end, 68%. And it's 4% black businesses there. Montgomery, 61% black population, a 3% black business rate. The second, the seventh congressional district, which encompasses Montgomery and Birmingham and other towns, is 68% black, her district. 63%, I'm sorry, black. In Montgomery, the poverty rate is over 24%. Mm. In Birmingham, the black poverty rate is over 28%. Mm. And that whole congressional, seven congressional district, which she is the legislator of, has a, 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 a over 25% poverty rate in the whole district. And I'm talking about black poverty rate. So who is that in the audience that's cheering? Woo, woo, woo. What, the, what are you cheering about? She should be angry. It should be anger there. And I think I've seen something that she was celebrating uh, $42 million that she brought to her state. Hey, but how much of that $42 million is going directly to where it's needed? Now, l- let me go back, Richard. She said across the South that this is going on. Uh, the redistricting and the, uh, the, you know, to take the power away from black votes. You remember she said that? And that part is true. But it's going on other places also. Let me give a little reminder of something that Hakeem Jeffries, and the last time I looked, New York is not in the South. It's very much in the North. This is what he said on Face the Nation not too long ago, and I played it for the time for working audience, but let me give it a little reminder and play it again. differences between the two parties Mm -hmm. and I think once the voters understand that dynamic the choice will be as clear as a sunny day in San Diego. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you a bit about what's happening uh, in your home state of New York. Uh, we've talked in this program previously about the redistricting that has been happening around the country, New York, to Democrats' advantage largely. But you've had this fight internally over the congressional map. Bottom line, did Democrats put their own communities at risk in your state by gerrymandering it to the degree they did? Well, the Court of Appeals was wrong in the decision that they made, both on the substance and in terms of turning over redistricting to an out-of-town, unelected special master and a judicial overseer in Steuben County, who is a Republican uh, leading Democrats control your state le- legislature. This was the Democrat-led process. Right. The pro- well, the process, unfortunately, was hijacked by the Court of Appeals. A bad process has now led to a bad result. You're talking about five different congressional districts where the black and Latino population was degraded. The only uh, uh, most significant Jewish district in the country has been detonated uh, for no good reason. Do you think uh, you have a, file, of many a case to file in court? I think that the lawyers are taking a close look at that. Okay. But here's what's most important. We're going to remain united uh, because we believe in, in a very simple vision for America. Okay. Work hard, play by the rules. You should be able to provide a comfortable living for yourself and for your family, educate your children, okay. purchase a home, and retire with grace and dignity. Thank you, Congressman. Richard, that's the solution. 
work hard, play by the rules. You'll be able to provide a living for your family and, and whatever that other stupid shit that he just said. <laughs> when a woman was asking her, you were asking him about this stuff is going on in the Democratic state. He give first he blamed mm. Republicans. Then he gave some old gobbledygook answer at the end. That was his answer. Oh, oh don't worry about it. Just work hard. Play by the rules. Uh, you know, it, 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 it messed up black districts. But then he got to throw in some Jewish or oh, it designated a Jewish district. His overwhelming constituents is black. That's the problem, brothers and sisters, whether you're in the South with people like Sewell and others, or whether you're in the North with people like Jeffries and others, Evans here in Pennsylvania, if you got them representing you, you got some issues and problems that you must deal with before we can do some things as a people. Because these people are there, they're blockers, they're standing in the way. They got another objective that's not necessarily matching yours. Let's take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Hey, Richard, we didn't just spend time on it, and I want to get to what you want to raise about that bloom, because it goes along with uh, what our caller was saying out of New York, Jay, when he mentioned this guy about a month ago. Hmm. We'll take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. host brother elliot and brother richard on time for an awakening media part of the black talk radio network for podcasting or live program scheduling hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215. 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. The Digital Plantation, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free 
of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years, to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregation, as people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism, do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America? I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far. It's a kind of installment plan for equality, and uh, they are always looking for an excuse uh, to go, but so far. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America. We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of the time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Graf Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Marian Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young, but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated humiliated. Not being able to fight back as a form of severe punishment. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. 
I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 820 uh, on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We're in open forum this evening. Anything that's on your mind? You can give us a call. We'll talk about it, and you can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Bridget, uh, you know, in that collage, Minister Farrakhan said that we can't keep passing this down to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us got wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. That's what he said, Richard. But if you hear these people, that's what they're talking about. They're supposed to be leaders. Leaders are supposed to have a vision to where they see our people going. If I mean, if if I pick you to lead me, Richard, it's because I have faith and trust in you that you got a vision that's going to take us to the promised land, so to speak, or freedom, not with the same struggle. You know, the way these laws are set up, this same struggle that we're dealing with now, you'll be dealing with it 10 years from now, 15 years from now. It's just a repeated cycle. Yeah. You know, it, it gets it gets to um, what um, Dr. Fox talks about, that we should be able to recognize that we have to deal with the opposition, right? You know, because the reason why we'll keep dealing with it is because it's, it makes it seem like now they mention the opposition, but I mean, how can you be mentioning the opposition who is dealing with um, who has funders for law cases and have lawyers to fight um, for their position as Supreme Court with a bunch of hip hop entertainers? No matter no matter how genuine they may be. How do you deal with that kind of opposition who is utilizing, if they're talking about our democracy or our voting, that they're using the courts and not that the person who goes in front of the judge or the Supreme Court has the money to finance. They have people financing them to to pay for the lawyers to go in front of the judges, the courts, all the way from the district courts up to the Supreme Court in order to take back 
or at least erase what you think was to benefit you. And I'm and, and you know this is where I see you know in looking at what Bloom is doing, and it was just only one piece that that you know this Edward Bloom and his whole thing of utilizing the courts, and it's it's two two data points for me that you know in looking at this that was raised. He said affirmative action treats whites unfairly and stigmatizes them. or stigmatizes and stigmatizes black folks. Treats whites unfairly. That's why he won. But we see, as you, and I think you brought this up too, that once the affirmative action was um, based off of race was shut down, they went immediately to the corporations and said, you can't hire based off of race. You can't have, what is that thing? Uh, um, the whole thing of uh um, inclusion, diversity and inclusion, which they were saying, now this is the reason. It wasn't uh, affirmative action. We're trying to div- create diversity within our corporate entity. And they started firing people or laying off people or shutting down because they didn't want to be brought up for, because they're, sa- they're saying, you're going to get a series of court cases challenging whether you're hiring these people based off of that. The thing that got me was, and me hearing about this, the next series of the questions was, well, is HBCUs a racially preference institutions? That's what what got me. Because now they're saying even institutions where you're supposedly black people are supposed to go to get this higher education because they are based off of race compared to just being Americans, they shouldn't exist. Now, PWIs, predominantly white institutions, they don't have the legacy that they are predominantly. They are the... Harvard ain't a white institution. You know, it's an elite institution. Yale isn't a white institution. It's an elite institution. University of Penn ain't a white institution. It's an elite. Now, if you didn't get there, that's because you didn't have what was needed. Hmm. Uh, Well... Now, wait a minute. I'm kind of curious to why you're saying that, Richard. <clears throat> well, when you look at and look at because there is these, you know, if because everything. Those, those, is, the reason I'm saying that is because all those institutions based you off name of are race. white. I said the right. reason. But they're, not, but they're not considered white. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. HBCUs are considered historically black institutions. Okay. Okay. Historically that, right. black colleges. There, there are there um, was established supposedly to to service black people who were underserviced or who could not get into 
white institutions. Or was discriminated against from getting into white institutions. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, here now you have these, you have the whole thing of race being challenged, that there shouldn't be any racial acknowledgement for anything in employment, and applications of getting into, I mean, that's what affirmative action, right? To getting into an institution based on that there should be a certain amount of seats specifically for disadvantaged African-Americans, people who have been locked out. Well, you can't do that. Isn't that what the Supreme Court ruling is about? But you have these foundations. This is the point that's getting me when I, I heard all you said about the H, um, NAACP. The persons that did, I don't know if you, you you were looking into who fund who's funding Bloom, donors trust, the Seals Foundation trust, the share the Sarah Scoff Foundation, the eighty five fund, Linda and Hardy Bradley Foundation. These are foundations that are putting up money so that these lawyers can be able to um, fuel these cases. Who who is P. Diddy putting up? I, I I don't mean to, but just you know, is he put putting up any money for lawyers to argue against? Is I, I don't know if I'm making sense. Well, get, get Richard. Um, this bloom, according to this, and you really can't find much information about this American Alliance for Equal Rights. It's a group that he's a part of. Now, you mentioned some of the people. I assume you mentioned some of the people that's a part of this group. That's, found, that's funding it. Yeah. Well, right. including him because the guy's a billionaire or whatever, whatever he is. But what I'm saying is these people that's doing this, see, they're, they're going to attack – being that Supreme Court decision was was passed or, or upheld, they're going to attack every facet of black life, whether it's jobs, uh, uh, preferences on jobs, uh, preferences as far as business loans, uh, going to school. Well, that's what it was labeled as about the school. But they're going to attack because this one, this venture capital one that he attacked in Atlanta, this was started by, uh, you know, the young lady that was on the Cosby show. Oh, uh, Keisha, uh, Keisha Knight Pulliam. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Where she was trying to uh, raise money to empower, you know, if women, black women want to start businesses. He was saying that th- these type of things are against the law. Right. And if you remember, he went to, this group that he represents went to attorney generals from all over the country saying, you know, about blacks have preferences on these jobs. Right. Where, you know, the law states that you don't have to follow that anymore. Almost like leaving it up to their option, so to speak. Right. Now, if you expect, now this is just me throwing this out and I know you don't expect that, but if you expect some of those, uh, thought merchants that, uh, that the woman said, Terry Sewell and others said that it was going to be at those conventions like Sean Combs and uh, uh, P. Diddy, uh, 
new well, I don't know about new edition because they uh, they just trying to make some money as a group. But <laughs> any of those people that mm-hmm. if you remember, you remember when uh, we played some of the clips from the NAACP convention, and right. Mills said we get paid a lot of money for saying disparaging things about black people. Now I'm putting the black people part in there. Right. He, he said we get paid plenty of money for saying like raunchy or disparaging lyrics. You remember when he said that? Oh yeah. Who's paying them all this money? Mm. Who's the attorneys for a lot of these black entertainers? Some of the ones that's probably going that was probably at that event. Who do they look to to publish their records? Who do they look to to promote their concerts? I question it might be some of the same people that's involved with Bloom and others. So they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. They're not going to do that. They're going to just talk around these issues. Talk about, in fact, I don't even know whether they know enough to talk about the issues. But mm-hmm. black elected officials are going to talk around these issues because you can see that guys like Jeffries and Meeks and others been running back and forth to Israel. So they're not going to mention anything about Bloom or call out his name or single him out. As far as those elected officials are concerned, those people, whites, and I'm not even dealing with no religious group because that's a religious organization. Whites, period, is our friends and they're our allies. They say that all the time. They don't look for other blacks to be their allies, especially if you have a quote-unquote a militant viewpoint. They look at you as public enemy number one. Seem like you will be looking to other blacks, no matter what their viewpoint is, to be your potential allies. Right or wrong, Richard? Yeah, it seemed like to me. But they don't look at you like that. They don't even want to hear what you got to say if you got what they consider a militant viewpoint of what they're doing. And I would crystallize it in saying a nationalist viewpoint, you know, one, one where that we're looking out our best interests. It's not about the parties, Republican or Democrat. It's not about America. It's about black people in the Americas utilizing the Democrat or the Republican Party or any other party for its own interests. Exactly. But they don't look at it. That they, they're utilizing it for the party's interests, which boils down to white folks. And and even in doing that, you have this type. The, the bloom uh, as a archetype becomes the the opposition. Um, it's something that I've seen in this um, book, um, State of White Supremacy. Um, their section on politics and privilege and punishment, which the best education is a, it's a quote where he says, when the major institutions in society are constructed within the culture in the interests of one group instead of another, even when the subordinate group is included within those institutions, its performance will be on average less proficient than the dominant group. Organizations may systematically favor the culturally constituented performance of one group over the developmentally equivalent, substantially different performance of another. So you take out HBCUs. You take out um, diversity and inclusion. You take out affirmative action. 
with the you, you the subordinate group now have to what compete demonstrate overcome the dominant group and wasn't it uh uh Jackson I mean um was it Johnson when he did the speech in 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 at at Howard who was that 64 60 was that 64 that he did the speech at Howard and he said um do you expect someone who's been held back to now come to the starting line and 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 win the race of those who have already and I'm paraphrasing who've already started the race how how does that work how does taking hbcus out because it's race based how does taking out any particular uh um policy that was supposed to make sure uh that there is going to be equal inclusion how is that supposed to assist this the this subordinate group and then the only rationale you have is because of this unequal advantage that you bloom and and all who is financing you're going to say well we whites are being un, unfairly treated in relationship to in education involvement in uh these institutions in relationship to hiring in these schools or having particularly um specific and i am i'm not no you know the hbcus ain't operating um particularly in the best interest so i don't want to go there but they they the hbcus legacy organizations and even now i ain't going to say always but now even black churches are not operating in the best interest of its con- its primary constituency group. And how can we determine that? Should we have 28% un, uh, poverty in Alabama? Should we have 4% of business op- uh, activity in, in a city where it's 70%? Does that make sense? <laughs> Isn't something going on? <laughs> Listen, I, mean, you, I, I don't, you know, before we go to these callers, let me let me because you touched on it. But let me read this article here, because here's the political games being played again. See, some of our people, they'll they'll you know, they'll be, you know, excited about it. But the people involved in putting this information out is playing political games to gain black people's votes because they feel as though that uh, by and large that black people are less intelligent than they are. Let me read this here. The header says that state run land grant HBCUs are owed more than $13 billion. It says land grant historic black colleges and universities has missed out on more than $13 billion that they should have gotten in since the nineties or the last three decades. According to the Biden administration, the administration sent to the governors of 16 states appealing to them to uh, invest the money back into HBCUs. 
Education Secretary uh, Michael Cardona and Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack sent letters to governors of Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South and North Carolina, Texas, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. Cardona and Vilsack cited the data from the National Center for Education and found that the gap in funding could have supported infrastructure and student services that would have better positioned black universities to compete for research grants and that the HBCUs would be much stronger and better positioned to serve its students and the nation if it were made whole in respect to the funding gaps. The schools mentioned in letters were established under the Morris Act. The Morris Act of 1860 gave states 30,000 acres to establish public colleges and universities such as Auburn, University of Georgia, University of Kentucky, and others. But because of discrimination and exclusion black students faced at those schools, the Morris Act was passed in 1890, mandating that states either consider black students equally or found separate land-grant schools for them, which included schools such as Alabama A&M, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, Florida A&M, Fort Valley State in Georgia, Kentucky State, Southern University A&M, University of Maryland Eastern Shore, Alcorn State, Lincoln University, Langston University, South Carolina State, Tennessee State, Prairie View A&M, Virginia State University, Florida A&T University. In Florida, Louisiana, Texas, and North Carolina, the gap between the majority black, uh, the majority black and majority white land grant institutions, including the University of Florida, Louisiana State, University of Tennessee, Knoxville, Texas A&M, North Carolina State University ranged between $1 and $2 billion as a gap. Mm. This situation that clearly predates us, says Vilsack. However, it's a problem that we can work together to solve. In fact, it is our hope that we can collaborate to avoid a burdensome and costly litigation that has occurred in several states. Now, now, Richard, hold it. Here's the political games, because these folks know that this has been going on. Mm. Biden is a veteran, a 40-year veteran of politics. Now, it didn't mention Delaware State University, which is black and in his state, but I'm quite sure they've been underfunded. I just read off the list of some of the ones that they mentioned here. They know that this stuff has been going on. Vilsack ain't nothing but a bigot. All you got to do is ask those black farmers and John John Boyd and all of them. They'll let you know that guy ain't nothing but old bigot. So how is he writing something in favor of black people talking about we we, we can work together to correct this? This ain't nothing but a political game to gain black folks support for that Democratic Party. And they're just using you if you unintelligent of their games to, oh, Biden's trying to help us, and so is Tom Vilsack. Uh, let's go and pull a Democratic lever. They ain't doing nothing but playing games. 
Uh, don't forget, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, the, the vice president is running around to HBCUs right now. Uh, yeah, I forget. I forgot about her, and how could I? But what? <laughs> wow! And she, I mean, she, she run around talking about, uh, you know, that she's getting participation. Over thirteen billion dollars. That that that, that uh, you know that that could be put into the same mix with the reparations that our people have been screaming about over thir- And the thing about it, it's not a gift, Richard, because that's tax money that's due to those universities that was going somewhere else. Now you got black elected officials. I just read to you about that black legislative caucus boasting that they got, they got over 700 representatives nationwide representative over 60 million people, right? Yep. Shouldn't they have found this out? Where's their uh, investigative, uh, they don't have to be no investigative journalists. Where's their people to dig this stuff out? Our people have been screaming about Lincoln University, and I'm just mm-hmm. using them because they're here in Pennsylvania, about they look at the campus. Some black people criticize the campus and others like Cheney about the way it looks. And then all of a sudden, they've been d- being uh, uh, duped out of millions and billions of dollars. That's been going to other uh, land grant universities that are predominantly white, like Penn State. But every time you look, they they can't wait for these young black boys to come there to put their school on the map. See that that all plays into that ignorance. Mm-hmm. If if I had a child that was capable of playing football or basketball or anything like that, he damn sure wouldn't go to none of those places. I do all I can to make sure he do wouldn't go. You go in and put more money in their pocket, and you see that they make it sure that your universities look the poor as I don't know what, get poor education, and have poor facilities. Now you see why, for the blacks that don't know, you see why some of these state institutions, you go to some of the black schools in these particular states, and the campus don't look that great, but then you'll go to a white land-grant college, and the campus look fabulous. Over $13 billion over the past <laughs> less than 30 years. And they're given over 100. I think it was a, the last count, it was over $170 billion that they've given to the Ukraine. And black elected officials given a rubber stamp on it when they can hold up any legislation that they want. You see that uh, that uh, that uh, uh, shutdown that they almost had was held up by uh, what? Because 91 Republicans still voted against it, Richard. They needed, mm-hmm. they needed at least a majority of the, the because I think it's a two, uh, 221 Republicans and 213 Democrats. Right, right. So they needed a large percentage of Republicans to go along with that bill. They managed to get it. But you got over almost 60 members of the Black Caucus. They can hold up any bill they want. They can say, listen, I'm not voting to send no money to the Ukraine until you give money for the George Floyd bill or, or give money towards reparations. Or pass the, uh, the Voting Rights Act, whatever. They can hold government up because they got 60 members. And the last time I'd made a count, and some of the uh, time for awakening on this is more intelligent than I am, I looked online, Richard, and if I can find that paper, here it is. Because I was looking at the Democratic, because I ain't focusing on the Republican Party. The Democratic Party and some of the coalitions that's in there. It says that on paper of the blue dog 
Democrat coalition is 10 members. They got a conservative wing of the Democratic Party. That's 12 members. They got the new Democratic coalition. That's 10 members. And the Congressional Progressive Caucus in, in, in the Democrats, that's 100 members. And then you got the CBC, which is 58 members. But of that Congressional Progressive Caucus that has over 100 members, they got members mm-hmm. of the Black Caucus that's involved in that. Right. So the Black Caucus is the largest body, probably in both of the parties. And they don't hold up nothing. They don't hold up no legislation. They're a rubber stamp for these white politicians that want them to vote on gay rights or, or, or abortion act or, or cat crossing the street. Anything that they want them to rubber stamp, they just do it. Let's go to a couple of callers so we get out of here, Richard. Let's go to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Ellen. Brother Richard, how y'all brothers doing tonight? Yes, sir. Right. I'm doing fine. I praise be to Allah. Yeah, Brother Ellen, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I was going to say to you and Richard, Ellen, good show as usual. Before I talk about some of the things you were saying, well, what this is like, this is one of the things I'd almost had to laugh. The gentleman. And I use this word very loosely, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, that became the new Joint Chiefs of Staff, what's his name, Brown? Mm-hmm. Ali Brown. You know, I don't know if it's true or not, Elliot, but I heard he's got some sugar in his tank. Is that true? Oh, I have no clue. I don't know. No, no, because I, that's, what they, that's what they said. That's why a lot of the Republicans was kind of uh, not wanting to confirm because they say he, he possessed a bad image. This is what, again, I don't know whether it's true or not. I'm just throwing it out there. They said that he's a sugar boy, so I don't know. But that's what they, so I don't know. If, if it is, it wouldn't shock me if he was, you know what I mean? But, you know, you know, for white men, you know how the macho, you know, Rich, you know, they, you know white men had this image of being machismo, macho, you know, all that. and they have the Joint Chiefs of Staffs being the twinkle toes, I guess it don't sit too well with them, you know what I mean? So just, uh, you know, but do you think it, Nelly, don't take my word, just do your due research and diligence and see if you can find something, Nelly, because you might, you know, find more about it than I can, but just you know, fact check it if you can at some yeah. point, okay, but Nelly? If that's the case, then it plays into two narratives for the Democratic Party. A, okay. a black guy and somebody that's of, of the alternative li- lifestyle. So it, it helps them yeah. out in two different ways. See, all, all of yeah, this stuff is political. They're playing games. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and Elliot, before I say another thing, let's, I, I got to give kudos to Brother Jay from New York. I hope Brother Jay listening. He was the first one about a month or so ago talked about to who Brother Richard was making, Alan Bloom, the bigot, the racist bigot and stuff. And let me say this right off the bat, Elliot, because I don't bite my tongue. You know, he's a Jew. He's white, but he's a Jew. And I say I have to emphasize that part because they are friends. But I didn't give him this name, Elliot. And in the, in the, down in Texas, the, the the media down in Texas refer to him. This is they give him this name. They refer to him as the Texas Jew or the Jewish Texan, something to that effect. I, I, I read it. I put up his bio on my uh, tablet not long ago, and that's what they call him down there. He's a cold-blooded bigot. He this guy been working behind the scenes, and not so much behind the scenes for years, lobbying 
people of both parties, mainly mainly the Republicans, but even some of the Democrats, to destroy affirmative action. He been he been he been you know going to members of the prospective members of the Supreme Court. I guess for the ones that's on there now, the God teachers and all the rest of them clowns that's on there now, saying about just like you and Richard said about how affirmative action is 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 is, 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 is insulting to black people, for lack of a better word, and racism and discriminatory towards whites. But of course, this filthy bigot don't mention about legacy emissions and stuff, about how you got white people, rich white people, like whether it be George Bush or Donald Trump's parents, that that, that went to these schools like Harvard and Yale and the Wharton School of Business, and yet their sons, Trump, Donald Trump, you know, went to uh, Wharton Business School after because of his father, and George Bush, the, the, the second Bush, went to Yale because of his father. Now, both of them guys is about as dumb as a damn doorknob, but both of them got admitted to these schools because they're rich legacy of their rich white fathers. But you, but, but Bloom don't have a problem with that, obviously, you know what I mean? But he has a problem with some black child or black woman or man, you know, being able to go to a school like a Yale or Harvard and, 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 and some white kid, May may not make no make the cut, so he said they've been no not they've been discriminated against. They can't make it in because of some uh, unqualified black man or, or, or woman. But notice the dig, the dig the move, brother Ellen Richard. You didn't hear Bloom say anything about this recent scandal. Remember what happened scandal the other year, Elliot, where, where these rich white parents, movie stars, and so forth was caught trying to get their children into these prestigious universities, and they was paying off the administrators. Remember that scandal. And some of them had pleaded guilty. Some of them, I guess, some got some jail time. Some got probation, whatever yeah, they got. I think they they threw, got a slap on the wrist. They, they threw the book at several of them. They, uh, I think the one Hollywood star spent one day in jail. Yeah, one day. I know they, they just really throwing a book at them and stuff, you know. But 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 the point, Elliot, you notice uh, people like Bloom, they never talk about how white people, have the, the unqualified whites going to these schools Card may have cost little Johnny Nikowski not to get in, but they always blame on some poor black or, or Latino or whatever for, for the reason why, why whites didn't get in there. And, and, and again, and let's go back, Elliot, like you say, let history, you always use the term, Elliot, let history be your guide. Let's go back to the 80s, the late 70s or the early 80s, Alan Bakke, for the, for the time for the list audience that may not may have forgot about him. He was a so, another so-called friend of ours. He was a white Jew. Alan Bakke, he raised the stink back then because he said he wasn't, he wasn't able to get into law school because unqualified blacks was there, and he's a Jew. I didn't hear no outrage from the ADL or the Jewish Alliance, the uh, the B'nai Breath. All these so-called Jewish organizations are supposed to be our friends. When this bigot was railing against young black men and women getting in the yell, and he wasn't able to get in, he didn't say that unqualified white people didn't get was the cause. He said black. He made it clear, black. He, he didn't say Asian. He didn't say Latino. He said black. The same with this filthy bigot down in Texas, Alan Bloom, who, again, Brother Jay, I give Jay credit because Jay the one that brought him to our attention. Because to be honest, Ellie, I don't claim to know everything. I learn like anybody else, Ellen Richard. I learn stuff from on the fly, too. I don't get up here on this radio and say I know everything. I know, but I didn't know. I never heard the name Alan Bloom until Brother Jay from New York brought him up about a bust or so ago. And I thank Jay for doing that. He's a filthy bigot. Where Where's your black... And I, and I say this is clear and, and, and concise, Ellen Richard. Where is your black leadership? I'm not being rhetorical now. Where the hell is your black leadership? The Hakeem Jeffries, the, the Gregory Meeks, the the, the Alan, the, uh, the, the the Eric Adams, the the, the, the Warnocks, the Dwight Evans from Philadelphia. Where's these Negroes 
calling out the ADL to condemn this filthy bitch. He's one of their own. He's he's a white Jewish man. Why is they not call? Why is they not demanding that the ADL, the Nabrif, the Jewish Alliance, all these Jewish people, powerful Jews, to come out and condemn this filthy bigot? Now they're supposed to be our friends. Shopping just recently had the, their bogus march on Washington with, with, with Greenblatt, the head of the ADL. Why the hell is not sharpening them demanding that, that, that Greenblatt issue a statement saying that we, I'm as a, as a Jewish man, I condemn in the strongest language, the strongest language, I condemn Alan Bloom. But if they not doing it, Elliot, why? Why is they not doing it? But yet Kyrie Irving, uh, uh, Minister Rodney Muhammad, Deshaun Jackson, you the name, the list goes on and on. They had no problem people like shopping out there, trashing these brothers, dogging them out, calling them anti-Semites Semites and everything like that. But yet when this white Jew, Alan Bloom, who's been, who been yeah. voiceful and, and he's been yeah, outspoken yeah, yeah, in this, in this, this condemnation. I'm sorry. Edward Bloom. Oh, Edward Bloom. I'm sorry. Thanks, thanks, Ellen Richard. Edward Bloom. I'm sorry. Yeah, Edward Bloom again, who Brother Jay pointed us out a, few, a month or so ago. They haven't said a damn thing about Edward Bloom, but they had no problem talking about Kanye West and, and all these people and Deshaun Jackson and, and, and Minister Rodney Muhammad and others and stuff. I mean, Kyrie Irving. I mean, come on, man. You know, you just get so tired of cowardice and stuff. These are some spoilers. Disgraceful Negroes, and this is why you wonder why our people stay in the condition we stay in because you got these these cowardly bitch days in the day in the back pocket of these white Jews. And man, I'm gonna tell you something, man. I, I, I was and I say this a couple of things because I want to pick up too much time. And you got other callers. Jay might be on the line, brother Marcus, or some other sister or some sister might want. So I'm gonna end with these last two things. A Palestinian sister sent me a, a, a thing on, on my, on my uh, email the other day about all the all, all, it's stuff that we already know, but for some of us that may not know, you look at, you look at a Negro like Sharpton. Now he's, now he's sucking up to these white Jews now. He up there with green, black. Well, Sharpton was on their list. This is going to show you how these Negroes are so stupid. Sharpton was on their list. I didn't do, put them on the list. They did. Sharpton was on the list of the ADL as being described as a black anti-Semite. Now, now if Al Sharpton ever, now, unless I'm living in an alternative universe, I, I've never heard Al Sharpton one time say anything critical of Israel. I've never heard him say anything critical of these white Jews, but yet he was on their list a few years ago of, of being an anti-Semite. They had him, of course, Minister Louis Farrakhan, Kwame Ture, Dr. King. I mean, the list just goes on and on. But Sharpton was on their list. Now he's now I guess he won their boys. Now he's their boy now because he running around with Jonathan Greenblatt. Now that's his new newfound buddy now. I mean, but it just shows us the, us the time for this, this audience how these people have no respect for us as a people. And as long as we continue, and I say this, Elliot, and I've said this many times on the radio. You can do on your show. You can go back and play past tapes. As long as we as black people out of political ignorance or just just being stupid, whatever, I hate to use the word, but just being ignorant and stubborn, whatever, as long as we keep as a people, and we're voting for people like Hakeem Jeffries, Gregory Meeks, Warnock, Eric Adams, you name it. As long as we keep voting for that kind of ilk, our people can continue to be just where we at. It'll be 20 years from now. In 20-something years, if I'm still on this earth, and I pray that Allah still be, I'll be 80-something years old, we'll be having the same conversation because these Negroes are not going to move us no further. They're in the back pocket of these white Jews. They're in the back pocket of white people, period. And they are not, like you said, they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. They know damn well 
who's who who these like when Meek Mills made that cover, they pan us. Well, who they pan them? These white Jewish record people are paying these young ignorant black men and women, Meek Mills, and them to say nasty, despicable things about black people. They're the ones that produce this filthy gangster, toxic gangster rap and stuff that degrade our people. White Jews is doing it. It's not no white Irish doing it. It's not no white. It's white Jews. Not that these white. Irish and them is, is not, the, wouldn't do it themselves. They white people pay it, but they are the main rec- producers and funding of this filth that, that these young black men and women sprout their mouth. And these cowly, spotless black leaders are too damn cowly to call these white Jews out and stuff. But yet these <laughs> same Negroes, you can't shut them up if Kanye West or Kyrie Irving say or do anything. You can't shut these Negroes up. But when stuff is so clear and blatant to them, you know, they they they, ter- they got terminal lockjaw. I get so damn tired of these cowardly, spineless Negroes. And again, as long as we keep on voting for these people, Ellen Richard, the game is up. The gig is up, brother. We'd be having this conversation 20 years from now, and we still behind the eight ball. We'd be behind economically. We behind we, 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 when it comes to health disparities and all the negative stuff about health, diabetes, heart disease. We'd be number one in that. But when it comes to uh, economics and, 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 and eating good food, living in good neighbors, go, our children going to good schools, we'll be continue to be last on the list. As long as we keep voting for Negroes like that. Thanks, brother Ellen Richard. I end on that, Ellen. I it put my mute and I listen to the rest of the show. Thanks for your contribution. Uh, you're welcome. Let's go to six. Six four six six four six. Yeah, what's going on, um, Richard and Elliot? Yes, up? Now, yes, it's true. I was the one who told y'all brothers about that filthy, no good. I'm gonna be nice tonight, Edward Bloom. The bottom line is, Sharpton and the rest of them knew who Edward Bloom, because they basically knew he was going to do what he's doing. Now, the unfortunate thing is, I think it was yesterday, the judge ruled in his favor, which is not surprising at all. The question becomes, what? Are black people going to do about it? That's the real question. Um, And what can you, in all honesty, do about it? Fortunately, the contradiction in the whole BS game that's being played is not dealt with in a way to where as the majority of black people will understand it. So things move forward, unfortunately. The reality is this. The Negro that achieves a certain position within politics is going to always buck dance for who their master is. There's always going to be a Charles Barron and maybe one other who will stand up and try and fight the good fight. Unfortunately, we're in a position right now that we have to pick and choose what is the better poison. As far as I'm concerned, 
The better poison to me is the Democratic Party, even though I don't vote for them. But I understand that, unfortunately, our so-called leadership doesn't any do anything to hold them accountable. But the alternative, as one would say, is the Republican Party is an absolute goddamn horror show, bro. I mean, we got to be honest, man, with not only ourselves, but the situation. Donald Trump is a fascist. I mean, the things that this clown says, if you listen to it, is absolutely amazing that anybody who is in the position that he is in should be allowed to say the things that he says and do the things that he says and is in the position to do some of the most dastardliest things that one could imagine if he gets back into office. Now, if you think with him getting back into office is going to make the lives of black people better, then something's mentally wrong with you, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's, it's quite obvious, even though the Democratic Party does the wishy-washy the bait and switch and all of the things that they do that's not in our total interest. But believe me, this man will absolutely destroy this country. And if this country is destroyed, 90% of our people are not going to survive. You look at what's going on in your city, Philadelphia. You look at what's going on in my city, New York. You look at what's going on in this country. Black people are barely surviving. And, I, and I'll let you know, I done diversified to the point to where as they can't do nothing to me. I'm chilled to the day I die. I'm straight. My family is taken care. They straight. I handled my business. I did my thing. I liquidated, put things in the trust, and I'm sitting back right now just enjoying what I have. So I'll be all right. But the majority of people are not going to be all right. And you know, and I'm saying this about Negroes who I know that supposedly got money. I know they ain't going to be all right. Just look at what was about to happen if the government wanted to shut down. Think about that. Then on top of that, think about some of the things that they were trying to do to be in a situation to keep the government going until McCarthy decided to play a little bit with the Democrats. 
Now watch how this whole thing goes down over the next 45 days. By the 40th day, we'll be in the same situation. Now, do you think black people and black leadership are going to do anything to prepare our people, educate our people? Do you think Perm Daddy and the rest are going to try to educate our people to say, well, look, do this, do that, put some money to the side, make sure whatever major bills that you have are up to date, try to get you some extra food, try to do certain things. Nah, they're not going to do that. But the but, tragedy is... But should we is, sit back and wait for them to do it? Excuse me? I said, should we sit back and wait for them to do it? You would be a fool if you did. You would be a fool if you did. Okay. But let's be honest, Elliot. How many of uh, our people were preparing themselves for what was going to happen if it shut down last night? How many of our people now are going to prepare themselves for if it shut down in 45 days? Because they're always under the impression that they're going to save a whole mentality, that the Democrats are going to come and save them. I mean, hey, you know, I always look at it this way. One is better than the other, but I also know that we need to be on Jeffries. I know we need to be on Meeks, and I know we need to be on the rest of them. I know that we need to have a systematic response in place for Boom and what he's doing. I mean, well, you let, know, well, let, well, let me, I'm going to be honest with let, you. Let me ask you a question. Because, <clears throat> and it's reasons why a lot of this stuff that's happening on the continent, the news is being filtered or not talked about at all. You, we here in this country are colonized people. I agree with Richard's assessment since he's been talking about it. Uh, the people on the continent, our brothers and sisters, have been neocolonialized, which is basically the same thing, just a little different forms. They have education that's not theirs. Uh, 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 somebody else controls the economy. They've learned another person's language, their oppressor's language. Their history has been uh, uh, totally filtered and obliterated to a large degree. And I've really learned since we've been doing this program and invited professors and all from the continent, I didn't realize to the degree of the history being kept from them. And I'm quite sure Richard would agree. I didn't realize it was to that level. Because everybody here think that everybody on the continent know what happened and know what happened to black people here and they, they, they're familiar with this. They're in bed with all this stuff, this type of stuff, and it's not true at all. So if you've got people there that have been neocolonialized just the same way we've been colonialized, what is making them now say, listen, take your money, take your language, take your people, and get the hell out of here? What is making them do that? 
What is making them do that? That you can't do it. And when I say you, I'm talking about our people here that uh, that's going to uh, uh, relegate themselves to voting Democratic to save this country. I don't give a goddamn about what happens to this country or who else takes control. Trump or any of the Trump or Trump's uh, Trump's brother, which is Biden. I could care less. This system is evil. And if our ancestors taught the world about right and wrong, if you got any sense, you realize this system is bound to fail. It's bound to fail because it was set up on every evil principle that you can imagine. Genocide. Theft. So if if you're hoping that this system is saved for some reason and hoping that, well, we'll take the lesser two evil, the Democratic Party, if that's what you hope, you're going to be disappointed. Well, I think that the African sees it a little bit different because of, this is just my opinion, their inability to control and share the wealth of their country. The difference here is that the Negro... You, you, you got an inability to control and share the wealth of this country. You created it. You no, created, you even let me you finish created the, point. the wealth you of this country. You even let me finish the point. You heard what I was saying. What I'm saying is, as far as the Negro here is, the Negro here feels as though he has a part of this. He feels as though he has a position in this, which in reality, you're a fool if you think you do. But that's the difference between, I believe, between the African abroad and these crazy Negroes here. They feel as though if they could just get to a certain point, then they have a stake in a position in this madness. That's why they behave the way they do. The African on the continent see that what the white man has done for all of these years since they've been in their existence has always been manipulation and control of the resources so that they can never get out of the stranglehold that the white man has on them. And they say in the hell with that. We now want to control the resources in this land to be able to, hey, maybe act like the white man towards other Africans or to uplift Africans. That's the, that's what it is. The Negro here wants to be a part of the oppression of black people. Why, why do you think congressmen, so-called leaders, and the like behave the way that they do? Well, I, I one, don't, I don't one, think that when you say the Negro oh. here, when you say the Negro here, then you're putting everybody in the same. I don't believe that everybody believes well, that way. Well, I, I believe, I, I look at it this it's a, way. It, it, it's the same dynamic. When you it's have the, positions, well, let, me, let me say this you to have you. A, it's the same dynamic as the plantation. You might have had 60 of our ancestors on a plantation, and you got one, just like Cynthia McKinney said in that collage that I play. When something happened, you got one that would beat the other ancestors along with the whites. You had some that was trying to intervene with the master for people's behalf. And then you had dozens of people just standing there watching 
It's the same dynamic now. It's not the Negro here. It's not the Negro here. In fact, what you're talking about is less than 2% of our people. It might be 1% of our people here that have any type of semblance of rubbing shoulders. With. That's what you're seeing now. This guy that took over the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Lloyd Austin, uh, that's 1% or maybe less than 1%. But you got the masses of our people that are in the lurch. No, it's not the yeah, Negro that, here. That 1%, that 1%, unfortunately, Elliot, controls the masses, just like it was back in slavery. No, they are the, able the, to manipulate the, the masses the media, so through that the help of the with media. the help of the white man, keep them under their wraps, keep them from growing, developing, doing the things that one needs to do. It's like, how could you say it like this? Do you think that a puffy who you was using earlier as an example is going to let some other brother get to the position or share the position that he has. What position? It just it it it, it 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 it's it's a manipulation game. You know what I mean? That's all. That's all it is. Is a, a manipulation game to the point to where what do black people want? Black people, if you talk to them about what. Baba Baruti talks about sovereignty. Black people look at you like you're crazy. The average black person today don't want sovereignty, don't know what it is, don't have no understanding of the process of getting sovereignty. They just want to be in a more comfortable place within this European culture. That's all. That's why you could have somebody like... Jeffries, who supposedly been under the tutelage of his of his uncle, supposed to have been at the foot of his uncle, supposed to come from a so-called conscious family, and is one of the biggest effort footstools the Negro has produced in the last twenty years. He has done more harm. And went along with more things against the interests of the African continent than one could name in the last 10, 15 years that's black, other than the Republicans that have been in office. I can't think of nobody, excuse me, <clears throat> other than Gregory Meeks who has did more devilment towards the African continent than them two bastards. I can't think, I can't think of those. I will be honest with you. And unfortunately, both of the bastards come from my state. Can I make an interjection here? Because I I, I hear the, the, the line of reasoning that you're presenting all the time. Um, and 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 uh, you know somewhere I didn't capture the frame the phrase conflicted nativism. You know, black people want to be American and black at the same time. And 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 what you describe, what you're describing and 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 enunciating very well is that confliction. 
But what I never hear, and I'll, I'll even give that the uh, <clears throat> when you raise the point or others raise the point that the people, and I'm using the black conventions of the 19th century or going up into, you know, through Reconstruction or going to 72 and Gary. The population that um, don't see that, who do exist, who don't see what you outlined, they don't see Meeks, they don't see Jeffries, they don't see the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, they, they, you know, they don't see none of that because, as you say, they are focusing from what Aharon says from, you know, saw from the perspective of sovereignty, sovereignty. They, they, I mean, now that might only be as the Republic of New Africa, they said it might be 10% of the population. I'll say it's only 1% of the population, but let's say it's 1% of the population that see, even in all you're saying that the only route, is to organize, to envision ourselves from the perspective of self-governance. Right now, while all that is going on, because you, 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 those who feel that they can build a business, um, they can be able to gain wealth, they can um, align with the military might, you know, um, go to the new the new thing, whether that's Bitcoin or whatever. Those who see that, at the same time, they say if they don't do certain things because of the road America is on, it's going to crash, then that means they're going to crash with it. But those who don't see that, that 1%, those who are looking at what this thing is doing to black folks, if they are not a part of that 1%, who has a vision about self-governing, if not today, if not for them in their lifetime, their generation for, then th- to me, it just, they're just describing a problem. Um, we just heard um, Brother Akil, um, you know, gave in his presentation in Mississippi something that stuck with me. And he said he got it from Amos Wilson. Our our problem solution is supposed to be able to solve our problem to give somebody else a problem. Our pro- if we're just defining the problem, we ain't even working on it from a mathematical perspective. So what I hear and people are saying, what the state, whether it's about you know the whites in general, white supremacists, or or this this guy. Um, Trump or or Biden, we're only talking about the problem. But we're not talking about that 1% of the population that I think even here on Time for Awakening, even when we have this moment for this venue, we're attempting, and Elliot will be attempting, to define and bring forward those individuals who are not defining the problem but could be a part of that 1% who are actually working to solve the problem and not just solve it, but by solving it, giving those other folks a problem to solve. And we see in history, in our history, that we have been successful at different times in doing that. So it, 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 I get, I don't, you know, I understand what the state of America is. What I don't understand is why are we so fixated 
when we say that we see the problem that we're supposed to solve, but we're only defining the problem more than defining, even if we can't, we don't know the equation. We can know that this is an X, this is a Y, that's a one, that's a five. We know that. And we could be able to reinforce that. But to be to keep defining a problem that somebody gave us and then just saying that we're not solving that problem, to me, is overlooking that 1% that is actually right now, tonight, engaged in solving that problem. And we're not speaking about them, even if they're being showcased. With our meager resources, they are solving the problem. Even in our meager resources, we're communicating and bringing forth those people who are solved. And we could say it's Charles Barron, but Charles Barron is just not by himself. He's not the only one. He's one we can be able to demonstrate. But we it's others out there, and we need to celebrate and accentuate those people Men, women, and children. Other than that, all we're doing is passing on the the problem. We're not solving it. We're not identifying who can solve it. We're not even identifying what is the type of equation that we're working with that we're trying to solve. We're just actually defining the problem, which we already know. Well, you have to identify them. Well, listen, I, I, if you I, want, I want to try to Charles move on. Barry, who are the others? Hey, have a good night, brother, and good talking to y'all. Thanks, for, thanks for the conversation, brother. Let's go here. Mm-hmm. Brother. <laughs> yes, sir. England. Is that England? Yeah. You open. Your line is open. Oh, mm. I think his audio. I think his audio is a little messed up. Hello. Okay, I hear you. You hear me, brother? Hey, yes, sir. How you doing? Great. Good to hear your voice, and it's a great conversation. Um, you know, you know, Barbara Elliot, brother Elliot. I was just um, thinking as you were talking to uh, brother Jay, and you know, all the rest of the injections. You, you both, you both have um, very, very. You're both right in in so many ways. Um, and uh, the point is, is that uh, Jay, Jay said Jay said Trump is a fascist. The thing is, I remember Jay um, raising that point some time ago and, and suggesting that Trump was a fascist, and uh, Jay had an issue with that. He said he, he said that he didn't think Trump was um, bright enough or sophisticated enough to be a fascist. But the thing is, in reality, no one's really a fascist. Fascism is an ideology you take on. It's a system you adopt. And when I heard him say that today... It made me think that in 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 the in the houses of authority in America, um, one of the, one is it the Senate or one of those houses there? They have the fascist symbols on both sides of the house. 
the reality of it is that the system is based on the Roman fascism system. It's the whole system. It's not just the fact that Trump is a fascist. The whole damn system <laughs> is based on fascism. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, and 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 you know, so they they the vehicle is fascism. The vehicle and and they they get on that vehicle. So today, it's, it's no good just saying Trump's a fascist. Biden's a fascist too. He's a damn fascist too. He's not that. He's not a fascist. Of course, he's a fascist. That's the vehicle they adopt, and in adopting that vehicle, that's how they uh, maintain control of the world. Because that's what that's the ultimate objective is to maintain the control of the world. You understand? Um, so, and another thing, I'll go back to Brother Jay again because you know he does make some very good points. He said last week. He said um, about. Uh, he said a lot of Americans don't have a world view. Well, that's absolutely true. And that is, well, from my observations, being outside America and having stayed in America and lived in America and having family in America, one of my things, one of the things I observe is the majority of, you know, it's not an objective view, but a lot of people I spoke to, I didn't, I didn't come to the conclusion that they did have a world view. They're very much Americanized. Everything, the whole world revolved around America to them. And there's nothing outside America. It's almost to suggest that America is the world. You understand? So I think that's what he was talking about when he says they don't. And that is a big problem, massive problem. Because when you've got institutions like the Federal Reserve who maintain the bank account of the world, you can't um, trade in uh, anything other than dollars in, in in international currency, obviously that that's a has a big impact on the rest of the world. So what's happening on the rest of the world the, on the macro level it obviously affects the micro level. It's interlinked, you know. And you know, sometimes I feel, brother Elliot, to be honest with you, and I especially you know I get a lot of value out of listening to the, the your program. And WR, I get massive value because it makes me fully understand how the people feel. Uh, and, uh, and I, but what, I, what I'm suggesting is that you know people do need to have a worldview and recognise how what goes on there affects the rest of the world, big time. You understand, um, negatively and positively. You, you know, so um, that's why I take such a keen interest in it. It's very interesting the things you all say and how you feel about your politics and stuff. But I totally agree with you, What you, the, the, the assumption you came to. It's totally right when you say that, um, you know, they're just going to do what they're going to do. They are going to do what they're going to do. And in the end, right, we, as the so-called people who wear in this enhanced uniform of melanin, we have to um, give up on this corporate, corporate fascism. Benito Mussolini termed the coin fascism, and he said that corporatism is fascism, and America is a corporation. So is Britain. All these so-called, what we're calling countries, are corporations. They are based on fascism. So, you know, at the end of the day, we, as the, those who are in this enhanced uh, uniform of melanin, have to come to the what you've just suggested. We have to realize we have to africate, uh, un, uneducate our people with this Eurocentric um, ideology brainwashing and africate them, make Africa the center of their ideology. And if we're not doing that, we ain't doing nothing. We're just stuck on the magic roundabout, going round and round in damn circles, talking all this politics and stuck on this political nonsense ideology. 
thinking that's going to solve our problems when it isn't. It, our problems can only be solved through Africa in our mind, making Africa the center of our ideology. Because when Africa goes, we go. We lose. Totally gone. Finished. Yeah, so, and, and, and another thing your your your, your co-host says, uh, he talk about, um, you know, the for, when I he's talking about the problem, and we we kind of deliberate on the problem. But the thing is, yeah, for me personally, having spent time as a troubleshooter in in, in my work experience, a troubleshooter's job, you can't you can't get to a solution unless you can basically articulate the problem, and the solution is always found in the problem. And if you really don't understand the problem, you will never, never, ever come to the solution. And, and so it's valuable. It's valuable. Programs like these are absolutely valuable, you know, to hear the different how people interpret what the problem is. Because no one person has, you know, everybody's interpretation and, and, and the way they respond, um, the problem affects them. It's not the same. It affects them differently. So the value of these type of programs are, you know, are so, I, I don't, you know, I can't put quantity on it. But the solution, for me personally, from my experience, will always be found in the problem. And, and if you can't, like, you do have to identify the problem. Once you've identified the problem, you go from there. Yeah, you don't, you don't. Because we, we 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 do we have a lot of solutions, but often the solutions do not really fix the problems. We say we say education is the solution, and we educate our children, then they go off and work for the opposition. How the hell is that solved the problem? They go and work for the opposition because they've been indoctrinated with Eurocentric ideology, and then they come back and work against you, and then you stand there dumbfounded, thinking, "Why has that happened?" It's happened because they've been brainwashed out of their mind with no application, just education. So it's not all, you know, the things what we are saying are the solution and not always the solution. Because how can we re-educate our children and they're, they're basically turning against us, undervaluing us, looking down on us. Yeah, and you know, and we all know that's the reality. And we pretend that, that it's not, but it is. Paul, let me, let me, so, ask, you, let me ask you a question uh, before we start kind of bringing it or winding things down. The, the, we, we were talking earlier about the situation with brothers and sisters on the continent and how they're trying to break free of the bonds of uh, Western domination. What are they speaking about in in Europe or in England or, or if you've got connections with black folks in France? What do they feel about what's going on there? And is it, is it sort of a, because it's sort of a news blackout here about what's really going on on the continent. If you watch local news here, they'll never talk about it. You'll see a little bit on the national news. But what are they saying there, uh, you know, where you are in reference to what's going on on the continent? I want to answer that because that's an absolute profound and um, excellent question. But before I answer that, I want to, because you just reminded me of something which I want to put out there. This program, uh, I'm talking about this program, what you've done and this foundation you, and this platform you've set up um, needs to be amplified. And it's all all the listeners or everybody involved has a duty to amplify. And what I mean by that is 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 um, encourage 10 people to, to listen to it, everybody, and encourage the listenership everywhere on the planet, everywhere, not just in America, everywhere they can do it, they do it. Uh, because to answer that, so... 
So what, what we hear here, it, you talk about news black, and this is why I say it's so important, because they don't want us communicating these things. What you've just asked is so important, because exactly how you've articulated it is happening here. It's a news blackout. Exactly. That's what's happening. We've got a news blackout. I listen to um, the, the so-called European stations. We've got one called LBC, right, which is, uh, you know, like a European station, and they talk, it's just, just talk, it's talk, no music, just talk 24-7, 365. And, it is, and they would definitely be on these subjects, and they have totally ignored it. It's a news blackout. Absolutely right, Brother Elliot. So brilliant. That is what's going on. But obviously we've got connections because we've got a lot of people who, uh, who uh, go to the Gambia frequently, who, who, you know, who work in Zimbabwe, who work in the Gambia, who work in uh, Nigeria and all over Africa. So we, we, and, and what we've been doing, we've been getting these people to speak from the continent and, and get, uh, you know, we've got a guy who comes on from Kenya who speaks every Sunday. We listen to him and he tells us what's going on in the ground. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of troubling a lot of the things because what I'm saying is you hear these, um, uh, you know, these rebellions and this stuff, but sometimes it doesn't appear to be what it, what it is, meaning that on the ground, sometimes the people ain't experiencing it the same as what we're getting in the media. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of politics involved, um, people feel that, that um, some of these politicians, like this guy in Kenya, he comes out and talks like he's a pan-Africanist. And he, on the people on the ground are saying, that's just a front, you know what I mean? Because he signed deals with the Americans. They're going to send some troops from Kenya down to Haiti to um, to control the Haitians on behalf of the Americans. These things, you know, if I could do, do my best to get some of these guests who are on the ground, even on your platform, because we need to communicate and hear what these people are saying on the ground. You understand? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of tricks going on. You know, Americans have got a lot of bases in these places. And really, some of, some of these tricks that are going on, the Americans are really trying to supersede the French and be the new master. You know what I mean? And they're, they're, they're the ones who are training these people to overthrow their governments. This is coming out from people on the ground, you know. So, yes, there is definitely, definitely, definitely um, a news blackout, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, uh, we, from where I'm coming from, and, and uh, um, following the philosophy is the Honourable Marcus Messiah Garvey, we have to be dependent on our own, on your platform, on Carl Nelson, on all the other real conscious people, yeah, and, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm not. I don't. I don't. I, I tell you what, the mass manipulating media take with a pinch of salt because their duty is to promote propaganda and lies. That's it. I mean, well, what do you want me to say? I know that, and we should know that, and we tell our people that. And if they still want to believe the propaganda and lies, it's their business. But the reality of it is. We have the ability to um, get in touch with our people everywhere on the planet, just as I'm speaking to you, as easy as I'm speaking to you. And we need to do that. And that means amplifying everything we're doing. Everything you're doing there, Brother Elliot, is right on point. It's brilliant. But we just, all of us have a responsibility. The listeners, not the, there's no such thing as a silent listener. A silent listener cannot just be a silent listener. We must recruit 10 people to listen and share on Facebook, WhatsApp, whatever platform, because we need to talk. Because everything they're putting in this mass manipulating media is lies and propaganda devised to keep us 
down. So, you know, we start, we, we've got what we need. We have, we've got it. But I, I listen, and I, we were saying the right things, we know, but we just got to amplify it everywhere. Like Brother Jay said last week, we need a worldview. We must break out of this conditioning they put us in that we, you know, yeah, of course we've got to look after the people around us, but they have trained us. We are born with it. We're in our, in, in, in our um, psyche and in, in, in the areas, we had that worldview. If you look at our history, we went everywhere around the planet. The planet is ours. Everywhere around the planet we went. They've conditioned us to wrap ourselves around these flags and, and believe in these corporations and these and these structures. Like I hear you say very often, Brother Elliot, and you're right, absolutely right. So, brother, you just keep up the good work and keep the fire burning because, you know, you're doing a fantastic job, all of you, man. But we just all, all have a responsibility to amplify every single part of the planet. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. You know. <laughs> Richard? Yes, yes. Well, listen, uh, what can I say after a call like that? Uh, you know, and he's giving a view from, from the European continent about what's going on. And you heard mm-hmm. him agree that it's, it, uh, it's a news black out there. Right. But the messages are getting out. See, and and that's the thing that they can't stop. Right. So, you know, the, the struggle continues. And, and, and we're going to win. No matter what people think, that is, the, the task is impossible. You can't do it. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> Nothing's going to be easy. Mm. But it's going to be done. Listen, before we leave, oh, you know what? Richard, let me tell you this, too. Um, uh, what's the brother's name? Um, we saw him at the, the uh, conference at the, 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 the uh, Black Power Summit. Uh, DeBerry, he was one of the ones that was on the panel the last day. Right. He got a talk program in um, in Mississippi. Oh, okay. And he... <laughs> He called me today, and he called me and asked me to be on the program to, you know, to, to just get my opinion because they were talking about politics. Oh, okay. And the people down there, um, see, that's what I'm talking about, about people on the ground. If you heard the woman Sewell at that the little clip I played where people was clapping and all, and, and I read off the situation and what's going on in those areas that she says she represents. Right. You should have heard some of the callers on his program. It's totally different than the image that you would get. Right. That's you know, crazy. Because while he had me on hold, I could hear some of the other callers. And right. He, he said, no, well, just stay on hold and I'll, I'll bring you in. I'd, I'd like you to kind of say something on the program because I want to get people to start listening to your program. So I'm listening on hold, man. And they, 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 these people, there, they, they talking about running candidates in the small towns where they are. They have developed some candidates. Uh, this this is a little different than what people might think. This, this, you know, this change is going on, Richard, and it's going on right before people's eyes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's that's the point. That's the only point I'm making. Right, that even if it's one percent, we're moving from that vantage point. We're solving the problem. 
We've def- we have defined it. We have identified. We have come to the conclusion. We've even, you know, we're we have actually solved the equation once again, and we're working on it. That's the that's the only point. I'm, you know, and we have to accentuate that um, also that people are working on it. Hmm. Uh, well. Listen, before we leave tonight, I just wanted to give the lineup on top on Awakening Media. And within the next month, uh, we've got potential new programming coming on. So uh, I just want to, I'm going to let the people kind of be prepared for it. We'll kind of highlight some of the new programming that that uh, potentially will be on within the next month or at least before that, uh, before the middle of November. Mm. Hopefully there'll be some new programming added. But right now, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogue on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. with his executive producer, Brother Kwaku. Or Thursday, Mississippi on the Move. Brother Patrick Lumumba and the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi. I guess they'll be kind of firing things up pretty soon um, with the multiplicity of hosts. Hopefully, uh, surprise uh, hosts, Richard. Uh, The brother that you gave me his name, he might be one of the hosts, and Brother Patrick can't do it. Great. Yeah, so uh, we're kind of working on some things there. On Friday, Time for Awakening is back from 8 until on Saturdays. The Elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James' host from 7 to 9. And on Sunday's time for Awakening is back from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we back, we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Are you watching your children playing after school They seem to be
Children. To save the children. 